Welcome to the Purposeful Wealth Podcast, the go-to podcast on how to bring clarity, contentment and certainty to your financial life. Brought to you by Jonathan Gibson, founder of Wells Gibson and author of the Purposeful Wealth book. Pick up your copy of Purposeful Wealth on Amazon and please enjoy this show. So welcome to series two of the Purposeful Wealth Podcast. I'm Jonathan Gibson, founder of Wells Gibson and author of Purposeful Wealth and host of the Purposeful Wealth podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what you need to know if you're a dentist and planning to sell your dental practice. And I'm delighted to say that we are joined with our special guests, Paul Graham, head of dental, and Joe Mannix, senior business agent at Christian Company based in Edinburgh. Paul and Joel will share their advice on how to prepare for a quick and efficient sale of your dental practice. So let's get started. Hi, Paul. Hi, Joel. Welcome to the Purposeful Wealth podcast and thank you for agreeing to join us today. It's a, it is really a, del- it is a delight to see you both after what's been a challenging couple of years for many. Likewise, Jonathan. Thank you. Nice to be on as well. Thank you. No, thank. No, it's 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 really great to see you see you both. Um, so maybe we could start with you just telling us a bit about yourself and and the great work that you've been doing at Christian Company over the past few years. Yeah, sure. Um, so as you said, Jonathan, my name's Joel Mannix, senior business agent at Christinco, uh, covering the dental sector in Scotland. Uh, although it might not sound it with my accent, I am based in Scotland and I do cover all of Scotland. Uh, we've been here for about five years now. Uh, during that time, covered a, a variety of different deals, um, you know, from small single site practices to multiple practices at once. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, it's a, an interesting sector. It's a busy sector. Pleased to be a part of it. Great. Likewise, Jonathan. I, 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 we started in the dental sector in 2013. It, 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 sometimes that feels like an eternity ago, but then there's other times it just kind of whizzes by, particularly after the, the pandemic where the transition of time just seemed to disappear. But um, the position we're in just now as, as the most active agent in Scotland is, is something that we really savour. We don't rest on our laurels with that. Um, it's, it's nice to be in that position to give uh, clients and listeners um, some help if they are if they think about selling. Yeah, and and I suppose that certainly the big thing I'm very aware of with you know having worked in the dental sector over the years, it seems to me that the age or the desired age, retirement age, or it seems to be getting younger. Is is that true? Is that and is that because that there's just more and more pressure upon the dentist? Yeah, yes, is a short answer. Probably a couple of aspects to that is that the the average retirement age for a dentist is early 50s just now. There are some who have been incredibly successful in their careers. Um, They've built up a very good business and they've got to the point of either not enjoying NHS dentistry or just stopped enjoying dentistry. More from a compliance perspective, though, they love the kind of wet-fingered part, the the day-to-day manual part of dentistry, but but the, the, the compliance always seems to be a common theme that comes up. Equally, there are other operators who... Uh, enjoy both aspects, but they're, they're profiteering from how busy and buoyant the current market is just now. That was definitely a trend 
pre-pandemic and arguably post-pandemic has become even stronger. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Interesting. I, I'm just always amazed that, that there are still dental practices out there that haven't been sold yet, you know, to, to, to one of the big corporates. That's an interesting topic. There is a real perception in the market that the, the corporate operator is dominating the market just now. With that in mind, that there is there is corporate consolidation at the top level, and that tends to be of practices of a certain size value that can cope with being part of a, a group of practices, a fully associate-led practice. Um, however, what we're really pleased to say is that, that the best part of 80% of the market is dominated by independent operators. That independent operator can be a first-time buyer or an independent operator who is empire building, so they're on to the second, third, fourth, fifth acquisition. So, so yeah, there is a perception that the corporates are swallowing everything just now, but for, actually far from it, which is, which is kind of reassuring to know it keep, keeps, us, keeps us busy. I think uh, just to tack something onto that, I think what, what we see anyway is, you know, you have a corporate out there that has that sort of PR monster, you know, anytime they buy a practice, you know, it's all the way out there. But actually, majority of the work we do do, as Paul's just said, is with independent buyers. And I think what's, what's interesting is sort of pre-pandemic, it was, you know, those that were buying absolutely still buying. But now we've got this sort of new demographic of buyer out there that, you know, perhaps they've been an associate for a number of years and for whatever reason, you know, because of the pandemic, whether it's a question of job security or uh, financial security or even just the fact that, you know, they want to go into practice ownership, this has sort of sparked that. So we've now got this new demographic of those buyers there that are essentially, you know, bringing in competition and more often than not, they are winning practices. Yeah, okay. And I, and, and for those listeners interested in selling their dental practices you know, perhaps they're nearing retirement or wishing to move on to pastures new simply or simply wanting to cash in on their hard work over the years. Tell me, is, is now the right time to sell? It's, it's a very good question. Um, there are, on most occasions um, over the last, well, since 2013, since we've come into the market, that the answer to that question would be yes, as we've continued to see demand rise, um, the, the, the lack of supply in the market. So, so I, I think the dynamics of that have always been very favourable for a seller. Um, but as we sit at this particular moment in time, um, th- there's something else that we can kind of jot onto that as well as the demand. We're seeing some of the practices now having their best ever performance. And with that in mind, if, if there's a seller out there who's kind of concerned about value, the opportunity for us to go out, give a bit of a health check on the business, even if they're a few years away from selling, just just allow us to become familiar with them and, and vice versa, get to know their business and see what the practice is worth. I, I think because of the demand, because of where multiples of EBITDA are, which equates to where the value is, um, at an all-time high, I think most sellers who we speak to are pleasantly surprised about about the value that can be achieved. Um, so, yes, is definitely the answer to that question. That look, I think we're we're talking really positively here, but we do recognise that there are practices out there that are struggling a bit. They, they they do have performance issues. You know that opportunity to say is it a, is it the right time now to sell? And this might sound counterintuitive, but 
we're not just a selling agent. We don't just sell dental practices. We will let that type of operator know that if there's an opportunity to improve the business over the next 12 months or change certain parts of it to be in a better position further down the line, we're going to give that advice. I think that that is a that is a huge part of of what we what, what we do here at Christine Co. I mean, as Paul said, yes, we are a selling agent, and I'm sure it's very easy for us to you know sort of pluck out a number and say, well, this is what it is. But actually, because we only ever work for the seller, what having this position allows us to give our best advice and you know essentially give you know whatever the seller options are. At that point, they're able to make the decision. Right. Well, actually, I can yes sell it now. Or if I do X, Y, and Z, which you know we've we've mentioned to them, then you know I'll, I'll have a look at it again in, in twelve months, twenty four months, three years, whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when it comes to the, the the dentistry of these practices, are you finding that it's the NHS practices or or the you know the those engaged in more private dentistry is more attractive to you know to a buyer? Yeah. I mean, the NHS is taking a bit of a bit of a bashing just now. I think it, at times it gets unfairly compared to private dentistry. Um, I, I think both are two very different aspects. And, and actually, there's a patient base for private practices, there's a patient base for NHS practices. I think those who are kind of rallying for change in the NHS just now are doing so not, not to eradicate the NHS, but to improve the framework, which I think is important that that we, we, we always keep moving in that regard. The, the demand for private dentistry has increased significantly over the last three, four years. It was kind of on that theme pre-2019. As a result of the pandemic, where, where some NHS practices have remained fairly static, private practices, not necessarily just because of NHS access issues, but because of accidental savers, yeah, patients doing what we're doing just now, the kind of zoom boom effect, they're seeing themselves on camera more often and they, they see a couple of squint teeth and want to get something done. Um, and they've not gone on a family holiday. Um, and so all of a sudden, they're kind of leaning that way towards private dentistry. But, but look, I, I think if we look at the growth that the NHS markets had since 2013 and even previously to that, this this issue that's going on just now is is a bit of a blip in the scheme of things. Um, yeah. I, 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 whilst far from ideal and and absolutely get it that operationally it's more challenging than ever before, it will fix itself and there will be a market and a and a buyer who will adapt to that change. Perhaps not what the predecessors are doing just now who've been in the business in NHS dentistry for 15, 20 years. You know that's. That's a difficult position to come from, to see where it once was to where it is now. But those new coming into the business see it in a very different light. So there's, there's still demand there for, for both. And equally, if you're a mixed practice, well, that's a, the best of both worlds. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's very helpful. I'm sure our listeners, or certainly owners of dental practices, will find all of this very interesting. And and so, you know, it, dentists out there who... They're thinking, right, I want to sell or certainly within the next two to three years. It, you know, from your perspective, what are the key factors that any seller must consider when when selling their dental practice? Yeah, good question. 
I think there are a number of factors, of course. I think the first thing that we, we want to sort of suggest is that it's never too early to start planning your exit. I think that, you know, if this is something that you're considering in five years, 10 years, whatever it might be, fine. You know, what we mentioned before, um, you know, let's let's start having these conversations now because if we can start looking at, say, hypothetically five years and thinking, right, oh, this is when I'd like to retire, you know, we can start looking at, right, this is what we have to do in that short term. This is what we have to do in the longer term. Um, this is the areas that we need to look at. For example, um, do you have all the right advisors in place? Do you have all the right paperwork in place? Because as much as, to be honest with you, once we get to the market and, you know, we've, we're getting an offer, that's kind of the easy part. It's what comes after is, is, is the hard part. So make your life a little bit easier. Have that stuff in place now because what that's going to do is, save you sort of rushing around after we've got a deal in place and legals are starting to mount up let's let's get some of that stuff out of the way early i think as well what you want to think about is be honest with what your exit your ideal exit is going to look like because on one hand if you think right well actually do you know what i think i might be willing to tie in for a little bit post-sale fine let's talk about that on the flip side if somebody turns around and says well actually, do you know what? I want to leave on day one. Okay, that's fine. We can plan for that too. But just being honest upfront and having a decent amount of time is, is probably the best advice we can give. Yeah, very helpful. And, and, and is there anything else you would you would add to that about other other key key factors that any owners of a dental practice ought to, ought to be thinking about? Yeah, I, I say surround yourself with the right advisors is, is absolutely crucial. Uh, a seller will generally get kind of one crack of one crack of the whip of doing this, going into that that sale process. So um, it only takes a bit of flawed advice or or bad information, bad intel, and it can go horribly wrong. Equally, there's always that temptation of a of a seller potentially going to a buyer directly. And 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 look, the, the, I think the dynamics of that, and I appreciate the position that we're in when we say it naturally as a sales agent, we're going to be saying this, but but the the, the opportunity just to sell your practice to one buyer who knocks your door direct, how can a seller be sure that they're getting the best possible offer from that, that individual? Not necessarily even in terms of the headline offer, but the post-sale conditions, the deal terms. These are all vital components. And, and, and what's interesting, when we bring a practice to the market and create that competitive tension, work with advisors who have experience and they're ingrained within the dentistry sector yourself as an advisor accountants solicitors for example that that forms a formidable team acting for the client who's selling who have been there kind of 20 30 years on occasions and we don't have to advertise the practice by name or photograph that sensitivity about a confidential process is is always honored but the the level of buyers that we're working with just now who have missed out on a numerous opportunities who are still keen to acquire new buyers coming into the marketplace, new corporates who are emerging, not just the kind of typical top three, top four corporates that are established. Corporates who are based down south but don't have a presence in Scotland yet who are very keen on getting in. We, we can kind of drop this list of, of buyers, pre-approve them with the seller. The seller might recognize a couple of people that they don't want to deal with and that's absolutely fine. We don't need to release the, 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 the brochure or the information about the practice to them. But creating that competitive tension will not only drive the price and terms, but when we get into that legal process that can take three to six months, can take longer sometimes. It can take longer, especially if you've not appointed a, a specialist dental 
accountant and lawyer and advisor. If, if that buyer has been aware that they've gone into this process competitively, if for any reason they start to kind of falter or uh, price chip or just kind of sway off the timeline, we've got buyer B, C and D typically waiting in the pipelines as well. So yeah. that's, a, that's a great seed to sow to just, just to ensure that the deal remains on track. Yeah, yeah. Competition is king. Uh, a lot, uh, I think a lot of my clients you know, probably get sick of me saying it, but competition is king from, as Paul said, not just the, 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 the top-line figure, the post-sale conditions, but sowing that subliminal seed, essentially, uh, that, right, there's a buyer out there. I can't muck around because if I do, I know buyer number two is knocking on the door, and it just helps make the process as smooth as possible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very helpful. You know, there's so many questions I could ask you, you, you both today. One of the things I'm really keen to ask you, do you find that a lot of owners of dental practices – you know, they're coming to that point, they want to sell the practice. Do you get the sense where they that their whole retirement plan is hanging on needing the needing the, the, the value of the business to retire? Or do you find that the owners of dental practices that you're speaking to are probably already financially independent and any money they get from the sale of the practice is, is icing on the cake, so to speak? I, in most occasions, it's it's probably the, the latter. Mm-hmm. But, but look, I, I think with that in mind, that's when mistakes can happen. Because there are examples that we've seen in the marketplace where transactions have happened off market, where an agent hasn't been involved, we've, we've not been part of the process. And, and we kind of hear what the, 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 the transaction was about further down the line at, at a later date. And there are some really scary examples there where it's potentially sold hundreds of thousands of pounds less in value or... Value might have been achieved, but there's a, a dentist there who's been clinically active and then wishes to stay on for a period of time. And then all of a sudden, he or she has signed up to a five-year financial tie-in period, which is which is really onerous. So I think, yes, um, it's t- time to take advice, really. That's that's a kind of moment that you, you recognize that you get one chance of doing this. Let's do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and presumably, I mean, each practice sale will be unique, but, you know, how can the seller prepare for a quick and efficient sale? Yeah, I think I think we mentioned some of those stuff before. So get get your advisors around you. I think that one of the most difficult things is, especially for practicing dentists, is they're in, in you know, doing their day to day, you know, their chair side every single day. So, have the right advisors around you that can essentially work for you because that's what you're doing. You're paying for that advice. I think that, you know, from my perspective, it's probably what I alluded to in Purposeful Wealth, you know, that for for anyone serious about their financial future, they they really do need to engage with trusted partners. And it seems to me that it's the first thing anyone wants to be doing is engaging with Christian company and, and particularly yourselves gents and you know making sure that this is done properly so that that does bring us to the end of this episode and thank you to paul and joel for for joining us i hope their top tips and expert advice was beneficial to you as always thanks for listening to the purpose for wealth podcast and if you do enjoy our show please take time to rate and review us as well as recommend us and be sure to tune in the next time thank you thank you thanks thank you for listening to purposeful wealth please remember to subscribe review and come back next week for your next installment 
You can also visit the wellsgibson.uk website for more information on bringing clarity, contentment and certainty to your financial life.